Welcome to Effortless Swimming, the podcast for swimmers, triathletes, and coaches. Join Australian swim coach Brenton Ford as he reveals the latest techniques and information to improve your swimming. Let's dive right in. Hi, Brenton Ford here. Welcome to the Effortless Swimming podcast. My guest today is a friend of mine, Annie Jones, who I caught up with a few weeks back in Boulder when I went to visit her there. And Annie has been on the podcast before. She is a, a really good guest because she's got some really interesting ways to think about swimming. And this is a three-part episode. And the first podcast, we're going to talk about cues and analogies for faster swimming. So some different tools that you can use to, to think about your stroke and your technique differently that might help you next time you get into the pool. The second podcast, we talk about gear for faster swimming. So we explore what's in our swimming bags and some of the toys that we like to use for training. And the third podcast is about racing and rhythm and how you can put everything together to get better results in your triathlon or your swimming races. So here we go. Here's Annie Jones, a friend of mine who lives out in Boulder, Colorado. Um, right, so we, um, we caught up a few weeks back when uh, I visited Boulder and went and saw you in the, the swim labs there where you do video analysis with swimmers and um, we did a did a session there, and I think you're probably probably one of the best um, the best at using cues or analogies to help swimmers change their stroke and and help them understand and and learn more about swimming. So the the first podcast, so part one of three uh, that we'll be doing is on cues and analogies for for faster swimming. So um, can you give a, a bit of uh, I guess uh, background on on why you like to use these cues and analogies to help people uh, improve? Um, there's a few reasons I like to use some cues that people will remember. And sometimes it's it's to get them to lighten up and, and really focus on the moment and allow all the work they've done to come together. But there's usually something that I'll see across the board, like sometimes I'll say, don't pet the kitty, which means reach out and softly bring your fingertips down in front of you through your stroke. And I'll tell people to punch the monkey, meaning to really, rather than relax your recovery, to really engage your recovery and be a bit more aggressive in the catch. So in open water, you're able to keep the momentum and also hold your line because you're driving forward and down rather than forward and out and pausing. So depending on where the swimmers, what race they're doing and what they're doing, I try to get cues that match what they need. For instance, if I have a triathlete that puts on a wetsuit and then they don't move, I try to get them to salsa or navel swivel or upkeep, upkick, or even if um, the cues I like to give them are find out what motivates them as far as mentally. So if they're working on a gallop, which is like a little off-centered tempo, a one, two stroke on the left and then a three on the right, to either get some words or a mantra that will work with that. So I know sometimes they'll take me in their head because of some of the things I've said working with them, but I also try to find some words or phrases that resonate with them, even if they're phrases like stay connected, meaning right arm to left arm, left arm to right arm, or right arm to left foot, left arm to 
right foot or um, and they can be sometimes motivational things like fly no fear get up as high as you can so that it, it makes things easier so a lot of times I try to have them laugh or maybe lighten up but then really try to associate it with um, something that we've been working on or that they need to remember um, when you use those memorable memorable phrases like punching the monkey which is kind of hard to forget and oh, I remember when um, when we were working together at swim labs there that was a phrase that really stood out to me and and one that uh, you know, we had a laugh about and um, you know it's just a, a different way to to get people to remember things so I think those unusual uh, phrases that, that you have are, are very good for helping people um, integrate them as part of their stroke and another one that you have as a, a cue for the right posture when you're swimming is, is superhero posture and uh, again I think that's just a, another really good way for people to remember to switch on that that correct posture. Can you talk a little bit more about um, about superhero posture and um, and what it does to your to your body position and I, I guess the the muscles that you're really engaging in the reason why? Um, sure. So the superhero posture, if you look it up, it's actually standing with your chest lifted and your diaphragm kind of open. But they actually studied people's confidence standing in this posture for two minutes and it raised confidence and also when you're in this posture they measured your hormones and it could decrease your cortisol which is your stress a stress hormone and also increase your testosterone the reason I like it is when people lie down to swim they collapse their diaphragm sometimes they dig like a burrowing animal using their traps but if they keep the superhero posture, they're able to enter a tiny bit wider, get into their lat latissimus dorsi earlier, and also then even use their lower lumbar. To take it a step further, um, I, I loved watching the video of you swim because I call it, now that I've been in swim labs and I look at 41 degrees of power, I call it, from 90 degrees out in 41 degrees using your forearms. Um, there's different swimmers in different placements, but a lot of the very, very good swimmers, and looking at your video, Katie Ledecky's, Michael Phelps, they have what is a power diamond. So it almost looks like the Superman logo with the shoulders being the top of the S and the hands coming in and the forearms going in but the elbows being out so it, it really tied into the superhero thing um, very well and I also realized especially in open water swims and with triathlons and even with swims that I do fear and nervousness and panic always always come into play because everything's different conditions are different people's bodies are different from one day to the next. Com competitors can be really aggressive. So to actually take a stance that improves your confidence even when you're lying down and swimming is really, really powerful. The other thing I like about it is in the old days they used to say press the T and the T being, being your sternum, but I have people lift and press that T so you're in that superhero stance, but then you ride a little bit higher in the water. So just everything's easier from sighting to swimming in the air more than 
being really fit and swimming and pushing dense water. So the higher you can be and the more you can manipulate your body position, the easier it, your swimming will be. Yeah, and we have, uh, when we're running clinics, we have swimmers. Um, the first thing is is working on the, the posture, and we have them engage that, that posture where the chest is out, the shoulders are sort of are down and back in that stronger position, and you're really lengthening through your, your torso and sort of lifting through there because that's, as you spoke about, it gives you it's, it's that confidence, but it's, it's also just engaging the, uh, the stronger muscles when you're swimming because... Uh, you, we have a few swimmers who will come to us, and they have been, you know they might be swimming with their legs or their feet quite low, and so they've been told to push their their torso down to bring their legs up. And while that can sometimes help if you do it in the right way, a, a lot of times you know the legs can be sinking because of what the arms are doing out the front or what the arms aren't doing out the front. So in order to to bring the legs up by pushing the the torso down, what, what tends to happen is they're sort of hunching forward, they're uh, using the, the weaker muscles and they're really, uh, they've collapsed through their, their posture, so they haven't got that strong posture to, to be able to swim well. So a lot of times it's just teaching people uh, that sort of superhero type posture and, um, and allowing them to feel that, that stronger, more connected um, position in the water there. So uh, a lot of times it's... Um, I, I think people have the or coaches have the right I- idea when they're um, explaining things to swimmers, but sometimes you need to go about it different ways in order to um, to help certain swimmers um, get the right feeling for it. So it's um, you know I think as you were saying earlier too that different pieces of advice work for different people. So that's why you've got to sort of um, you know, play around with it, try and, and see if that if that works with them. And, and they will always work, but some will require more work than others. For instance, pressing down usually causes people's diaphragm to collapse and also their shoulders to run forward. Then you're in the water, and water is a different element than air. Water is 800 times denser, so you have to be almost 800 times stronger to push through water if, rather than be really high, high up, mostly in the air. So I, I tell people that the core is so important, but many people are disengaged. So some of the times I'll do the upper thoracic is very important. That's why on land sometimes rowing is a good exercise. Just even watching your posture when you're sitting, talking, driving, walking, it's really important. Um, the other thing sometimes I'll do is have people put a broomstick on the top of their shoulders and then drape their forearms over it and then actually move their the top of their arms so that they feel it in the core so they keep the stable T but they're getting that that movement you know down in their core and also starting to engage their lats because you know in open water you actually do need more body movement to be able to engage the surge and different waves and and sometimes it shuts down when people put on a wetsuit or they totally pool swim which works in a lake fine but you have to put a lot more meters or yards behind it to make that work fine and and usually what i find is the thing people are short on is time they just they have families lives jobs wives husbands and and they don't have much time and one of the things that in the, the third 
uh, podcast that we'll do. We're going to talk about racing and, and rhythm and how to develop that as part of your stroke. And, uh, and, and really that's the, that's kind of the, almost one of the final pieces is, is putting that rhythm into play. Once you've got those elements of your technique, uh, happening, it's, you know, how do you put them, put them all together? Um, and, and one of the things that you mentioned earlier was having the elbow pointing to the, the side of the pool. And this is something that we really emphasize when we're, we're running freestyle clinics is when, you know, his coach is talking about the, the high elbow or the early vertical forearm. And I find that a lot of times that just when you're thinking about that and you're swimming, it can be a very awkward position to try and attain when, when you think about keeping the, the elbow high as you're pulling through because, you know, sometimes you'll try and jam that that elbow up close to the surface and it can really jam jam your shoulder up. So what we do instead is just like you spoke about is we we work on having the swimmers getting comfortable with their elbow pointing to the side of the pool because then that gets them in the right uh, angle with the, the catch and pull through. And, and one of the things that we look at from the front is the angle of the arm we try and get swimmers to work towards having that that arm in an angle of 100 to 120 so where the the elbow bend is that's the so that's where we take the angle and in order to do that you've got to have the elbow pointing to the side of the pool you can't be pulling through with a straight arm uh, really deep it's always got to be pointing to the side of the pool as you're pulling through past your shoulder so uh, when we're working on on sculling drills that's one of the things that we emphasize is we get swimmers to really point their elbows out to the side of the pool and, and get comfortable with it. Because uh, if you're a newer swimmer or you haven't swum since you were younger, most of the time you'll probably pull through with uh, your arm straighter than what it needs to be. So just getting swimmers familiar with it, comfortable with it, uh, is a, is how we sort of help them um, work towards those uh, the better angles of power under the water. And and I love that at Swim Labs I can go through and measure angles, but I, I also love that you teach that because so many swim teachers pull stuff off the Internet and they pull catchphrases like early vertical form, but when you watch them do it, they actually collapse through the diaphragm and chest to get the early vertical form, which makes it just trapezius muscles. It really doesn't engage the lats at all unless the chest is lifted, and that's why I think that the core part of your body is so important and the, the different connections are very, very important. And I, I love the elbows to the side. Sometimes I try to explain to people to think of their arms as a kayak paddle so that they're connected. It's not just a right arm and then just a left arm so that that motion is actually a connection. So I'll work with triathletes based. I'll get some phenomenal athletes that are great cyclist. So I'm like, well, then your heart or your sternum is your bottom bracket and your arms are your crank arms and they're connected. Or you get, you know, the runners in there that understand, you know, that you can't just lengthen it out. You have to put some cadence in it or some tempo in it. Yeah. And, and with, um, with that is it's, uh, like you're talking about the punching the monkey analogy and, um, and that's something that, that we looked at is, you know, you want, you need to enter the water with, with a bit of drive and a bit of purpose and force, because if you're trying to be really gentle and really smooth and not hurt the water, then you're going to become a victim when you get out into the open water, you're just going to be thrown around by any waves or chop that, that comes exactly. about. So you've got to, I mean, I, 
uh, it was interesting hearing you say, use the phrase punch the monkey. I, I used to call it uh, punch and drive. So every time you, you're entering the water, especially open water, thinking about sort of really punching and driving it forward out the front there because um, you need to use, use that force. And when you're watching the top swimmers or the top triathletes, they've really got that, that drive out the front. And, and one swimmer who we've done some filming with, Annabelle Luxford, who's one of the, the top pros, she's just really the, the epitome of that sort of punch and drive or that punching the monkey kind of stroke because she just really gets, gets the hand in, drives it through, and then she's, and she's got that really fast turnover and cadence. And, uh, and something that I, I find interesting with her is whenever she jumps in the water for her warm-up for um, just a normal training session, She'll jump in, and her stroke rate will be up over seventy-five straight away. She's got, she's got no um, just easing into it. She'll get in there, and she'll be up at that that higher cadence. Um, whereas compared to, I think a, a typical pool swimmer, they'll jump in, and and their stroke rate might be quite low. It might be under sixty because they like to sort of take their time, warm up, go for those big long strokes. So I, I think that can sometimes be the difference between. Uh, a triathlete in a swimmer is uh, triathletes who who may not have that huge background of swimming. They are going to have to have that faster stroke rate. Well, and and also I I tell people they're not going to wake up and be Missy Franklin or Michael Phelps. They're really not going to wake up tomorrow and be six five. And if they're five six, you really have to have turnover and stroke rate. So my my take on it is this so much um, bad swimming happens in slow swimming. So really, when people warm up, I'd rather see them warm up like Annabelle or put a snorkel on or really try to try to watch their form when they're going slowly because usually when people are swimming fast, their body position's better, their tempo's better, their power's better, their length is better. So sometimes, you know, triathlons, triathletes don't get a chance to warm up so I will actually have them do a sprint set right off the bat especially if they're an ITU um, race athlete because sometimes they go to a race and they can't warm up and they have to go out then they have to settle and relax their breathing and their heart rate and their autonomic nervous system and really relax into that speed but if they miss the first pack their race is over yeah, and that's uh, you know that's ITU. That's so cutthroat, isn't it? it? If you if you don't make the first swim pack, it's very hard to come back from that. So just uh, being able to to get the heart rate up, get going, but then just settle it back down is uh, is so important. And whether you've had a warm up or or not, and that's um, something I look forward to getting into in in the the third podcast there. And and I think this is probably a good place to leave it for this this first podcast on cues and analogies for for faster swimming. So uh, tune in next uh, episode for Gear for Faster Swimming. Thanks for joining us on the Effortless Swimming Podcast. To get transcriptions, bonus videos, and to be the first to hear about new episodes, go to swimmingpodcast.com.